As we all know, my good friend Puggy Weaver is leaving the neighborhood. So this is my last chance to break his alley record in front of his sweaty, pork-like little face. <laughs> I've been training for weeks, avoiding anything that would hurt me. Red meat, red wine, red heads. Let's rock. Thanks, Dad. Can I get a whoop No Man Presents, live from the Nudie Bar, the Married with Children Podcast. And here are your hosts, Jerry, Jamie, and Al. Hey guys, welcome to the show that, well, if you died tomorrow, it would be the icing on the tombstone. My name is Al, and in preparation for this show, I've actually been avoiding red meat, red wine, and red heads. I'm Jamie. I'm an aquarium. <laughs> an empty one. My name is Jerry, and uh, hey Alex, what is the first derivative of kinetic energy with respect to velocity? How would I know? This is an educational show. Oh. Well, what goes quack? Well, guys, we're reviewing Peggy Turns 300, Season 4, Episode 19, original air date March 25th, 1990. Al's big plan to take Peg out to the bowling alley for her birthday strikes out when she breaks the Bolarama's record instead of him. Yeah, sounds like she wants to break him, but instead she'll... That's what I was thinking. <laughs> <laughs> she breaks that instead of him. Also, he didn't take her there for her birthday. It just happened to be her birthday and... Yeah, he didn't even know it was her yeah. birthday. Yeah, technically that is true. We we are going to get to that. Um, <clears throat> there's so many weird things about this episode, actually, believe it or not. And I just want to say right away, one of the patrons of the show... Chris Nonis, this is, uh, I think, his least favorite episode of Mary with Children. He hates it with a passion. Why? Because, well, he hates it because he says that it strips Al of any dignity beyond even I was comfortable watching. So he just feels Al just was stripped of all dignity. You, so. you know, that sounds like, like things I've said in past episodes, uh, but usually like aim toward Peggy. So I would almost like, I, like normally I would be like, I am totally with you, but I'm not. I feel like I don't feel like that at all just because it's explained that it's part of the Bundy curse. Like, I feel like it's completely in line with the canon of the show. It is, but it doesn't mean it's any less hurtful to watch. Like, I, I you know how I feel about when Al gets just constantly pummeled and pummeled and run over and particularly by peg. Like it just, it bothers me. And this, you know, this was something he had wanted so badly. He was striving for it. He finally, finally got it and didn't even get to finish celebrating the fact that he got it before she was in the process of taking it away from him. I just, yeah, the people from behind him literally walked away. But to be fair, it is her birthday, and he ignored it for his own 
wants. Eh, whatever. Like, they care about anything that has to do with him. I. <laughs> <laughs> what was that dignity thing we were talking about again? Yeah, Jerry, don't you remember Kelly said, he said something about, you know, we don't know enough about each other. And he goes, Kelly, when's your birthday? And she goes, it was yesterday, Dad. So nobody knows anybody's birthday in this family. Uh, yeah, well, what episode at was the beginning that? of this episode, you said, you wait till I find out when your birthdays are. Yeah, and it's, right. It's in February. I'm not going to mark that down. Kelly is born in February. Now, it's weird because I recently saw a post, I swear I saw this, where somebody claimed that Kelly's birthday on the show is the same as her real life birthday, November 25th. Oh, I thought you meant a poster on Facebook said that. Kelly's birthday on the show aligned with her birthday, meaning the birthday of the Facebook poster, not oh. the birthday of Christina Applegate. Okay, because I was going to say, I Christina Applegate's birthday had to be somewhere in the November range because she turned 18 while we were discussing the shows that were in November. In November. Right. So, huh. Well, well, disproven by this episode. Yeah, unless they have some severe continuity error somewhere, which, you know, shows did back then and then which no, blows my mind married with children's perfect they would have never have just dropped a ring on a stripper stage and not noticed it well i'm going to give you some cool <laughs> uh some continuity trivia here so you know obviously al has to beat puggy weaver's record here in um what was it jim's bolorama yeah <clears throat> there's an episode shoeless al where he's playing for the puggy weaver memorial cup so I guess that means that Puggy Weaver died at some point. Is that after this episode? Yeah. Okay. Since season nine, he died from eating waffles. <laughs> wow. Yeah, and the actor supposedly is still alive. So. Oh, yeah. I mean, you still see him today. I like the fact that they did that, though, because this guy, Puggy, was moving away. That was the whole reason that Al had this one last opportunity to beat this record. So... They, you know, he was gone from the show. So to later on, bring him back, have him die, <laughs> and then have a memorial named after him. I, that is hilarious. It really is. They, but you know, they must have obviously liked the guy. There's a lot of trivia in this episode. A lot of things to kind of dive into. What's the first derivative of kinetic energy with respect to velocity? I don't know. Oh, uh, the answer is momentum. I rewound it, and of course, I like I, I watched mine with closed captioning, so that's how I got the whole thing. And then I googled the answer. <clears throat> Do you know the answer to Kelly's question? Yeah, I googled that one also. What goes quack? <laughs> I don't know. Isn't she a senior? Like, how could this couldn't be her? her high school book right i mean i i know that like when people aren't doing so great they uh you know when they realize you're not really swift they kind of put you in these classes that are just okay just do this and get out of here i guess that's what she's in she could be reading a biology thing and just in like maybe they were like and the animal will quack to alert its uh pr the prey to run away or something like that and she goes well, what animal is it? Okay, I buy that. That's my I stupid do not explanation. Buy that. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I'll buy anything to just move along. 
<laughs> so what's really upsetting here is that Kelly is willing to cover for Peg if she cheats on Al. Well, she did like explain to Peggy how to cheat on a on a man. So <laughs> why not just rub some dirt on it? And how, what a coincidence! She says the man will usually say he's going bowling at that age. You're right. Hey, kids. Put away your stupid homework for a minute and look at mommy. She's going out with her man tonight. Where should we tell dad you went? It's your father I'm going out with. At least he cared enough to remember my birthday, which is more than I can say for two certain people who sprang painfully, and in some cases, backwards from my loins. would have gotten you something, but last year you said, if I ever start to look as old as Mrs. McKelvey across the street, I never want to have a birthday again. (laughs) Mrs. McKelvey is 50. (laughs) Just wait till I find out when your birthdays are. (laughs) Mine's in February. I'm an aquarium. (laughs) And an empty one. So Peg wants dinner and dancing at the beef trough. Yeah, so... That's their place, you know. Well, I guess, is it their place because Johnny B. Goods shut down, or... Like, because I thought Johnny B. Goods was their place. It was. Does the beef trough sound appetizing to either of you? No. The beef trough. Isn't a trough like a big... What, you feel what? I feel like I would go there with the dudes. Like, I'd be like, my buddy's like, yo, let's go have a beer at the beef trough. Hell yeah. I keep picturing, like, a big trough of beef stew for some reason whenever... I'll take picturing anything to get the whole uh, Kelly being born backwards out of my head, which is a breach birth. Well, breach is butt first. Yeah. Specifically. Um, But you can also come out feet first. But that's just really hard to do because you know how, like, when you have an umbrella down... And, like, you try to poke that umbrella through a hole, and it'll go through, you know, the uh, pointy way really easily. But then if you were to try to pull it back through that hole, (laughs) all the arms and legs are flying up, and uh, that just would be horrible. Well, I'm just glad I'm a guy. The worst thing I'll have to worry about is passing a stone. Oh, but I've done that, too. Ooh. Yeah, I gotta lay off the Tums, man. All calcium, not good for you. I don't even drink milk. Uh, your bones are just falling apart and you're peeing them out. (laughs) Peg! You look fabulous! You're gonna knock them dead at the bowling alley. The bowling alley? You're taking me bowling on my birthday? It's your birthday? (laughs) Kids, tonight mommy rides in the front seat. Now, Jamie, if Brian told you that, let's just say he did know it was your birthday, because I'm assuming he knows your birthday, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Now, if he told you, whoa, you're dressed so nice, great, you'll look great at the bowling alley, what would you say? Yeah, honestly, I wouldn't care. (laughs) If he wanted to go bowling, I would go bowling. (laughs) Right, it's not such a bad birthday, right? Don't people, don't kids go to the bowling alley for their birthdays and make a nightmare situation for everyone else bowling? I went bowling on prom night. Like, after the prom, a bunch of us, after we left the prom, headed over to a bowling alley and 
went bowling after the prom. So, I mean, I don't know. It's just fun. I really, really wouldn't care. I mean, there was, I don't have, but see, I don't require anything special for my birthday either. As long as I'm spending it with him, I don't care what we do. So. Yeah. I don't think comparing Peggy and Jamie is quite the equal. (laughs) Hey, listen, I'm trying to get perspective. (laughs) Hey, what are you kids doing? Homework. Got finals coming up. Well, put it away. This is something really important. (laughs) As we all know, my good friend Puggy Weaver is leaving the neighborhood. So this is my last chance to break his alley record in front of his sweaty, pork-like little face. If he broke it afterwards, he couldn't see the look on the guy's face. And God, Al's lucky that he's even there that night. I mean, what are the odds that you'd go to a bowling alley and the guy who has the high game is there? And we'll get in more into that, believe me. I've been training for weeks, avoiding anything that would hurt me. Red meat, red wine, red heads. <laughs> that is a great line. It, it all works. The whole thing works. And thank God you could say red with the first two. Yeah, I don't, I don't really see Al as a wine person, so I'm sure that was easy to skip. The red meat, yeah. also easy to skip, you know, because he doesn't eat. Well, oh, yeah. So, true. I mean, that's just a normal week for him. Uh, staying away from the redhead, I mean, he's pretty good at avoiding sex, so I'm, I'm sure he was able to do that pretty successfully also. And you, my children, have the important task of recording my victory for posterity. Too many a great Bundy moment has been lost for lack of a camera. Well, honey, we had a camera on our honeymoon. You just kept beating the flash. <laughs> well, Peg, if you recall, I was doing fine till you came into the room. <laughs> Come on, Peg. This will be the first birthday you begin in an alley. <laughs> like, wow. Well, and it's like nobody even, like... The audience hardly reacted to that. And it's like, that is vile, man. Like, I don't think even in my worst fight I've ever said that to my wife. This will be the first birthday you begin in an alley. So that means that Peg on her birthdays when she was younger used to end up in a dark alleyway, uh, probably doing lewd acts with men in... Yeah, that's kind of a harsh thing to say. Like... I jokingly hid my fiance's uh, like parfait chocolate pudding this morning and said I ate it in the middle of the night. And like she gave me the death stare and I thought she was going to stab me for like five minutes until I finally told her that I didn't actually do it. It's amazing what Al can get away with. Uh, The both of them, really. I can't believe Peg's still alive, quite honestly. But uh, yeah, so Peg push starts the car. They're off to Jim's Bolarama. Now, you guys know from the episode um, Alley of the Dolls, was it? Yes. Okay. My dad made me bowl when I was younger, so I was uh, I know pretty much everything about it because I started at like uh, 12 or 11. Uh, I know pretty much everything about it, and I that, that's going to be useful during this podcast. So the plaque says that Puggy Weaver bowled a 256 – now, I couldn't really make it out. This is going to be even more alarming if if this, what I read was right. Uh, so, I don't know if you guys looked at the date, but it said I April 20th. Tw- you did? Okay. April 26th. Was it 65 or 85? Well, at first I thought, wow, 65. And then I thought, no, it must be an 85 because that would have been, like, what, four or five years ago? 
Right. It's feasible that no one has surpassed that record in that amount of time. Plus, look at the guy. He's not that old. Okay, perfect. I'm going with 85, although I do agree that it looked like a 65 as well, because when I first looked at it, I thought it said 65. Yeah. (laughs) I was like, what? Oh, but here's some uh, inside trivia real quick before I even get to that. My dad's high game in bowling for years was a 256. I used to hear about that all through like my, like when I was 10 years old, all the way to like, you know, probably 20 or whatever. Did you call him Puggy Weaver? (laughs) No, I never put it together until now. Yeah, my dad's high game was 256 from probably from his birth until he was like 45. I think my high game is something like 62. (laughs) (laughs) I I suck at bowling. (laughs) Jerry, what's your high game? so bad. I honestly have no idea. While I do enjoy bowling, um, I suck at it. So... So you never took a screen cap of it? Uh, no. Uh, one, Reese uh, took a picture of her on phone once, and I broke her phone. I'm <laughs> not going to be embarrassed like that. Expe- like, especially knowing how good Steve is. I can't let people know that I can't bowl as good as Steve. <laughs> Speaking of Alley of the Dolls. I'm kidding that it's like, like a 62. It is low, though. It's I want to say the highest thing I've probably gotten is in the 70s, but maybe no, you've got to do better than that because I've broken 100. Yeah. And I suck. I don't know. I mean, like, I need the bumpers. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, it's wow. bad. Oh, okay. Never mind. Do you throw the ball like Peg does? It's, no, I don't do that. But I always have Maybe this you problem should. with my wrist twisting whenever I go to I, – I have terrible form. But that's okay because I have trophies and from competitive darts. So Oh, nice. I can't bowl or play pool. I'm crap at that too, but that's fine because put a dartboard in front of me and I will hand you your butt. (laughs) I don't think there's any sport I'm good at. Like, I don't think there's a single one I could be like, you guys better watch out. I can't believe that. Yes, you can. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, everyone, if you remember, I'm sure you don't. Uh, my I've bowled three hundreds already. Eight two seventy nines, which is every strike except for one in the middle of the game, because the way it adds up, the way the strikes and spares add up. If you have like let's just say five strikes or or six strikes or eight, and then you have nine spare, and then you strike out the rest of the way, it's two seventy nine, and it'll always be that unless it's like in the beginning or the very end of the game, then it changes. That's so hot. <laughs> yeah. I wish. No, I just, I love that you know that. I don't know. There's knowledge is sexy. It really is. And ah. um, when it's, I don't even care what it's about. If there's something that you know a lot of something about, I just think that's very impressive. And oh well, you're gonna love me in this uh, <laughs> this show because <laughs> okay. So let's start off by saying two fifty six. I understand the writing standpoint. We have to create a score that Al could beat. But I'm sorry, there's no way on earth that's the high game for any amount of time. Like literally in bowling, and I'm talking from when I started, uh, back when I was 11, there were like 300s thrown almost like definitely monthly in a bowling alley. So to think that 256 is a, and, and I was like, 
nine or I was ten years old in nineteen ninety, so this is even current. Mm-hmm. So there's no way on earth that's the high score at Jim's Bolorama. Well, no. I was thinking the same thing. Plus, I mean, look around at the people in this bowling alley. A bunch of them, including Marcy, have bowling shirts. So yeah. these are people who do this a lot. Yeah, they're way into it. And I really found it difficult to believe that no one in the history of that place had ever bowled a perfect game. Ever. Hi, I'm Al Bundy at Jim's Bowlerama. Feeling good? Feeling spry? What have we here? A plaque which denotes the highest game in Bowlerama history. A plaque which will soon read, Al Bundy. Yep. Al Bundy, Al Bundy. Brave, courageous, and bold. Long live his fame and long live his glory. Long may his story be told. Still picture, please. Uh, Kelly takes the first selfie ever. Oh, my now, God. I found out that's not true because I posted that as a joke on an 80s group page. And they said they p- posted a picture of Madonna apparently taking a picture of her and her friends with a Polaroid camera. And they was, it was like 1984. So selfies were not invented by Kelly having the camera the wrong way. No. no. I mean, no. Te- I mean, we used to do that all the time when I was a kid. Like, you'd hold the camera out in front of you and take pictures of yourself and your friends or whatever. But I still think it's very funny. I, because I, no I one called them selfies back then. So you were very clever. Yeah, I, I actually wrote down that I think it's awesome. She's already on that selfie game. <laughs> Yeah, but she's taking Izzy's. I mean, she that's right up to her, you know? It's not even, it's not like she, it's not no glamorous picture or anything. You're not going to get anything with that. But it was so, every single time, she's so cute with the little blinky, you look like, you know, uh, uh. Yeah, I like, yeah, all four times she's surprised. It's five times. I counted because the last one, I the last one she took at uh, the very end of the episode uh, at Peggy, I tried to I had to rewind it to see if the flash went towards her face or towards Peggy and it went towards her face. And I was like, how did she do this five times? And you would think she would say, this isn't right. Right, mom, where I go blind for like a minute after I take a picture. Am I doing something wrong? No. Well, you'd think they'd want to. Someone would just take the camera and turn it around because (laughs) I mean, I'm sure they don't care that she's blinding herself, but. She's not getting photos of what they want her to get photos of. So is Al just too, like, involved in his own thing that he's not correcting her? Or did he give her the camera to keep her busy? He's just giving her a job because Bud has the actual video job. So his is the important one. Yeah, that always seems better than the stills anyway. Meanwhile, you can't hang a video on your wall. but Oh, well, nowadays you can. Yeah, now you can, but certainly not then. I have this great video of uh, Michael Myers getting hit by a bucket on my wall. You are such a... <laughs> All right. <clears throat> I love that movie. So, yeah. Guys, if you want to watch my Halloween movie, The Ghost of Michael Myers YouTube, go ahead and make fun of me. It Enjoy. is the greatest thing ever, and it I highly suggest so all of you good. watch it. I love it so much. Don't, I really don't y'all have a co- skeleton girl as a commentary for that also? Oh yeah, yeah we so, did it last year. 
yeah, watch it and then do and then rewatch it with uh Damie uh Damie. Dan, <laughs> Jamie, and Alex as they uh relive it. Damie, Jan, and Alex. Yeah. <laughs> we never made that. I love analogy. how Alex gets to keep his name. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, Al threatens to break his record. Um, and I guess I'll, I didn't know if I dropped this in the Alley of the Dolls. I don't think anybody really cares about me personally, but I'll just drop some of my own historic uh, bowling stuff. My personal record for a night was 279, 225, 279. And that's another aspect I'm going to get into here that the fact that Al is essentially practicing in this episode, which in the grand scheme of things, especially bowling, it means absolutely nothing. What I'm saying is if Puggy Weaver's 256 was bold like Al's is this night, and it wasn't even in league in a sanctioned match, that plaque would not even be there. So Al's won't be there either. Bowling doesn't count. It doesn't mean anything if you just... Go to the guy at the front desk. Say, "Yeah, can I have uh, three games on lane eight, uh, 11? Then you go and bowl. That means nothing. That's all Al's doing. I never thought about that, but that's true. It's like I could walk up and I could throw the best game of cricket in my life, but if I go up to the bartender and be like, "Hey, give me a trophy for my kick-ass dart game," <laughs> like, what are you talking about? <laughs> right? They would never give Peg a trophy for what she did. Yeah. Would they just? Did they just have that laying around? They were then like. One day someone's going to bowl a 300 and we're going to give them this gigantic trophy. <laughs> right. Some broad walks in and she she gets a lane for an hour and then bowls a 300. You're going to give her a trophy? Maybe. I mean, this place, look, they've been holding on to this 256 record <laughs> for like five years. Yeah, that's a valid you know? point. Maybe it's kind of it's the kind of place where they're willing to do that. <laughs> okay, you're, you're being valid in a very un... <laughs> professional way yes okay i could see that logic but still is <laughs> this would never happen no you know i see what you're saying but still it doesn't count it doesn't mean anything i've done amazing things in practice and nobody cares nobody knows <laughs> it doesn't mean anything you could literally bowl 300 in a tournament and if that tournament is not sanctioned you don't get a 300 ring yeah no one ever rewarded me for the 300 i got in wee bowling <laughs> I think I bowled a 300 in Wii. That Wii bowling is actually really fun. I did way better at that than I did uh, in real bowling. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so that's the that's the other, like, insight I can provide you in, in my... So I, I guess I did wasted most of my life just so I could do this podcast. Yeah. Alex, I actually have a question for you. Uh, when we did, when we went into bowling last time on the show... We came out that there was a lot of inaccuracies and scoring and all that. Did this episode do better for scoring? Like, is it more realistic with the scoring? Uh, no. Wow. It is not. And I actually, I'm so mad. I did all this knowledge myself. Then I went, you know, we always go to IMDb to read off stuff. And I went to Goofs. And this whole thing was laid out for me already. So I was so <laughs> mad that I sat there and did this. But okay, I'll just read the very comprehensive IMDb page when I get to it. So one cool thing is they use different shots for Al's strikes. You can actually, if you've bowled enough, you can you can see exactly how the pins fall down. Like to to most people, they throw the ball and they hope 
all of those pins on that deck are not there when they're done. Oh, is that how you win in bowling? No, but what I'm saying is <laughs> when you bowl enough, you can actually see how it all is actually happening way more in depth than just knowing if they're standing or not. Like if if you threw your ball 20 times in a row, like I could I could see how everything I could see if if the 6 pin wraps around the 10 pin, it doesn't that's why the pin on the right is still standing. I could see which pin falls last. I could see like all these things because you do it enough and if your ball goes too much in the middle, you could you already know that you're going to leave a 4 pin because it's the way the pins hit each other, they have to like hit each other in certain orders for everything to work right. And of course, a person could just throw it and they could randomly definitely get a good bounce and just fall. But if you're actually like on a certain level, you you're it's more specific. You know what I mean? So I was able to definitely tell that Al's the video of each one of his throws are different. So they didn't show the same one every time, which is cool. And Al does throw a hook ball, which is pretty cool too because it looks like he's throwing a plastic columbia 300 silver edition from 1990 which doesn't really hook you, you know what jamie you're right being knowledgeable on something is sexy keep going i Alex. told you <laughs> hey listen we'll pull your pants back up dude we're trying to be professional here al told me to unzip it all right it's just <laughs> something dying here <laughs> oh bundy Puggy, I didn't recognize you with your fist out of your nose. <laughs> so I understand you're leaving town. I guess you'll be packing up the wife, kids, and the 300-pound hooker you visit every Friday after work. Also, in uh, this episode's uh, joke, I can't believe they said, Uh-oh. Uh, Al saying, talking about the 300-pound hooker you visit every Friday night after work. <laughs> That is great. Number one, why would you visit a 300-pound hooker? Aren't you... Hey, don't kink shame him. Yeah, well, if, but if you're married, why go with a 300? Don't you want to go with, like, a, a girl who's, like, a 10 to you? You know what's funny, though? Also, because Al, in a little bit, is going to say when Puggy oh, yeah. says, you're still a long way from 256, 256, and Al goes, not for your wife, Pudgy, or Puggy. Puggy. It can't Maybe. be that he's a fat chaser because his wife's fat. Well, then that could mean he's a fat chaser. He oh, wants, you're right. You know, he obviously has a thing. He just, he just wants some strange. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's just like, I don't, it, that wouldn't be any different from some guy with, I, don't know, I was going to say a regular woman, <laughs> some guy with a... <laughs> well, a midget? With a, <laughs> a midget or a regular woman? <laughs> this is special all over again. Which, by the way, if you haven't seen the Steve special, check it out on Patreon because I'm on there and it's fantastic. Well, according to our Patreon numbers, most of you haven't. So <laughs> I just want to say uh, three, three or two percent of our audience heard our Steve special. <laughs> Guys, check it out. You'd really like it. Patreon.com. Yeah, because there's nothing more pathetic than a podcast listener who doesn't listen to Patreon specials. I wanted to work that into the Marcy joke, and it did not work. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I jumped the gun for you? No, no, I, no, I just ruined that myself. Oh, good. Yeah. All right, well, Peg is <laughs> bored. <laughs> well, it's going to be a long evening, Mom. Want me to order a couple of beers? <laughs> for 
you. And uh, some ice cream with gummy bears for me. Steve, you right? Still wrong way to 256, Bundy. Not for your wife, Puggy. Al, I'm bored. Peg, this is a bowling alley. Surely you can find something to do. Well, I just can't decide. Let's see. Tennis, baccarat, chamber music. Oh, I know. Maybe those gentlemen scratching their behinds are, are having a poetry reading. Peg, bowl. Oh, yeah, that would look really great. There is nothing more pathetic than a woman who bowls alone. Oh. Cut to Marcy. <sighs> again. Marcy? Peggy! (laughs) This isn't as pitiful as it seems. Well, actually, I was told this is a good place to meet men. And it is. Why, just last week, I met two guys. Of course, they left together. This is kind of too realistic and sad to me. Seeing Marcy there, like, talking to the ball... And now that she's single and has almost no hobbies or interests, that is what people like her do. Like, they just leave the house and go wherever the hell. But why would she go to bowling knowing that Steve loved bowling? You would think she'd want to do things that Steve hated. No, maybe that's why. Dude, sometimes when you break up with somebody, you only see the good in them and you miss them. And then you want to be close to whatever they did. Have you ever seen a woman bowling alone? No. I neither have I. And and so (laughs) for her to be like, there's nothing more pathetic. Like it almost seems like, well, that's a thing, you know. It's a it makes me feel like it's something that happens, but it's really pathetic when it does. Never in my life have I seen a woman bowling alone. Wow. I don't think I've seen a man bowling alone. I've never seen seen a man bowling bowling for alone, but he's basically there training for tournaments. Right, that's I, I've bowled alone plenty of times. Oh, well, of course you have. Uh, <laughs> it, is, it is pretty pathetic, too. What, like, do you think Marcy, like, this is obviously not her first time bowling alone because she references being here before. Did she, do you think she's the type of person who bought a bowling shirt specifically for the first time she went bowling, like, alone so she could feel like she fit in? She's the kind of person who would buy a tennis outfit just to see if she likes tennis. Yeah, I she I feel like she has to have the paraphernalia for everything. Like, remember when her and Peg were, like, uh, exercising? They had to dress up in their leotards and stuff? Yeah, yeah. For a second, I wondered if it was one of Steve's old uh, shirts, but the shoulders didn't seem broad enough. You know, Steve's got those great broad shoulders. And it I'm actually Steve. says Marcy. <laughs> I just wanted to talk about Steve more, to be honest with you, Jamie. <laughs> yeah, I know. I was going to say, you're reaching for that one. I'm that way, too, though. I like to have... Oh, you want to talk about Steve the, also? I've got, no. <laughs> I like to have all the accoutrements for anything that I do. But I usually wait and see if I'm into it before I do it. Um, right. So, <laughs> the first time, the very first time I went skiing, I was wearing jeans. Oh, so was I. How horrible was that, though? <laughs> Like, they get all wet and frozen and hard to walk. Oh, yeah. Well, the first time you ski, I mean, maybe it's just me. And I was a a pretty good skateboarder and stuff. But the first time you ski, 
you fall down about 20 times before you get down the entire mountain. That's how my friends, too. I mean, we all, none of us made it past 15, 25 feet until we fell again. And then this just kept happening the entire way down. Then it happens, you know, like a third of that amount. Then it happens half, and then you just fall two times maybe. And then all of a sudden you just start making it down without falling. But, like, yeah, but if you start off with jeans, oh, my God. The only time the only time I fell was because I got pushed down by a Yeti. That'll do it. Uh, wow. It will. I wonder how many people are going to get that that was a ski-free joke. <laughs> I get it. <laughs> I was on the ski lift, and I was afraid to jump off. Like, I didn't – I. I didn't want to get off. And I just happened to be riding with a ski instructor who was sitting next to me. He just grabbed me and pulled me off with him when, (laughs) because he was just like, get out, get it. He's like, get ready, get ready, get off, get off, get off. And I was like, no, I can't. So he just grabbed me and yanked me off the ski (laughs) lift. (laughs) Then because he yanked me off the ski lift and I wasn't prepared, I fell. Like I was, so I was, and it took me forever to get up because like I'm wearing skis and everything and I couldn't figure out how to stand up. And this is so embarrassing, but this was, I was young. Well, there's a place to tell everybody, go ahead. Yeah. Um, And there were all these kids standing around and they were like, what's the matter, lady? And and I hate them. You know, the kids who, they're so little, they don't even have poles. They just... They just zip all over the place down the mountain. They're like, on your left, on your right. just And they're, they're just like, whoosh, whoosh, whoosh. they've been doing it since they were born. Yeah, I hated them. I think you just hate kids. I do. No, well, I do. But <laughs> <laughs> Wow. Well, uh, Marcy saw two guys leave together in the bowling alley. Foreshadowing to a future episode, Marcy? It's funny that gay people were implied... In like a bowling alley because that's not really like a known thing or anything, but there are gay bowling leagues and stuff. And I guess they just make like a gay thing of of everything, right? Like there's gay night for like so many things, but there's actually gay bowling leagues. Yeah, I'm starting a gay version of Married with Children podcast. (laughs) What? Let me guess. It's all about Steve. It is. None of the hot chicks. We're we're just going to review the razor's edge over and over and over. So wait, like entire leagues or teams within the leagues? No, leagues. Wow. So well, when you were league bowling, did you have any teams that were like gay, gay uh, teams? openly gay teams, you know, that that was their thing? No, there was no, no. Yeah, like they all wear pink or something. No, well, I mean, whatever. There was but... like... <laughs> <laughs> no, there was like uh, there were just gay guys within the league. Yeah. Okay, Definitely. so now, but you're talking about whole entire leagues devoted to gay guys. To, huh, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. Marcy's really good at hitting on gay guys. It's like she has a radar or something. It's uh, Well, I guess you could make a fancy, say gaydar, really. Right? Yeah, because later on, there, there's a future episode coming up. Is it season five? I know, well, I, it's before Jefferson, so. Oh, yeah, yeah. But, but you she don't meet Jefferson till like uh, nine episodes into season five. Yeah, well, uh, there's an episode. I think it's in season five where she like she goes dancing. Yeah, and Peggy goes dancing, and like mm-hmm. 
Peggy ends up, uh, Marcy ends up hooking Peggy up with a, a guy, a gay dude, and then Al ends up hooking up with the gay dude's husband. Who is? Uh, a great cook. Do you know who that guy is? No. Who is it? <laughs> dude, that's the real life Homer Simpson. Well, the guy who boasts is Homer Simpson? The guy who, yeah, yeah. I, you know I don't know anything about the Simpsons. Ah, oh, I forgot. Man. That surprises me. What, that I don't watch The Simpsons? Yeah. It's amazing, right? I I, I don't know. I've, I've seen episodes. It's not like I've never watched it. Like, I, I've definitely watched it. But um, it's just, I've, I've it's never, I think it's the video games. Having playing Bart versus the, the space uh, mutants for the NES and having to paint things purple, I was just like, Bart, what are you doing to me? Now, the, the Simpsons arcade game, that is one of the best beat-em-ups ever made. But still, not even that is the best Simpsons game ever. What? What's better than that? Dude, far better. Simpsons Hit and Run. Is that the crazy taxi ripoff? No. Oh. That's crap. Uh, I was about to say, no, this is the ripoff of... Uh... <sighs> the fuck is it called? Grand Theft Auto? Yes, Grand Theft Auto, exactly. Oh, ripoff of Grand Theft Auto. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's amazing. It's the greatest game I've ever played in my entire life. Well, if I can't get a cup of hot coffee in it, then I don't want to. That's for all the <laughs> hardcore gamers out there. Wow. Al, honey, I just bowled four strikes in a row. Shut up, Peg. <laughs> Steve! Right! Honey, this really is so exciting. I mean... Four strikes in a row. I've never done that before. Come on, you got to come see. Peg, this is your birthday. Please don't make me kill you. <laughs> okay, okay. I'll be quiet. Honey? Uh-oh. Uh-oh. A two-four-ten split. You gotta pick all them up and bowl the strike if you wanna break my record. <laughs> what did you want, Peg? <laughs> well, I just wanted to wish you good luck. Away, woman! <laughs> Is this not the lowest Peg? Well, I guess she's sunk lower than this so far. By maybe taking his $5,000. Yeah, she took all his money. She's gotten him in legal trouble. Right. So I guess those are worse. But, I mean, that was pretty bad. Yeah. I wouldn't have been mad at him if he hit her. (laughs) (laughs) I'd hit somebody for that. If he turned around and smacked, spun her head so hard because he smacked her face, you you would go, well, she did yell in his backswing. She was asking for it. <laughs> Look, she knew what, how the important this was to him, and I just don't. I can't. Uh. Now, just so everybody knows, we could go back and cite this as the example of how Alden bowled three hundred. You know, because he had the first eight strikes, so he had every single strike at this point, mm-hmm. and she only had four. So Al was doubling what she was doing. Could he have had a three hundred that night? It seemed like every ball was right in the pocket. He didn't throw up Brooklyn like she did, which we'll get into. I'll tell you what that is later. What? <clears throat> yep. So Al, because of this, leaves a 2-4-10 split, which I knew what it was before Puggy said it. 
Yes, I'm showing off because Jamie said that was hot. (laughs) (laughs) Now, I personally have made this spare dozens of times, which is bad because that means I left it a lot. Not a lot, but enough to make it dozens. Um, So it's not impossible. Odds are pretty slim. Al makes the split. It's weird because you want to like Peg because, and I do, I do overall like her. I'm just trying to, I have to go episode by episode. And if she's doing something, you know, ruthless, I got to point it out. But I do like her and I thought it was kind of cute how when she threw her ball, she would do strike and then it would strike. And she does it because Al does that. You know, anyone that knows Al Bundy and bowling, they all know. he. I think, I'm sure he always did that. He's the only guy, like, obnoxious enough to do something like that. Are you telling me you've never done that? Uh, I probably did it because of Al, yeah. Wearing your Chicago Bears hat? <laughs> as soon as I got home from the beach and went to the bowling alley? Yeah. yeah. Um, Al has a three-step bowling approach, and he always has. And it's, it's absolutely ridiculous. You never have less than a four- or five-step approach. It just makes no sense. You'll never see any professional bowler with a three-step approach. The lane record is 256. By Puggy Weaver. Al bowled eight strikes, then a seven spare, and then a strike, which would give him 257. But he would still have two more balls left. Yeah. Yeah. So he would have bowled a 277 had he kept bowling. So who, if Peg didn't get the 300 and she bowled a 279, she still would have beaten Al. But she would have had to at least get that. So Al should have finished his game. Right, you would think, and and it's not a real game either. If you just stop with two balls left, Puggy says, and because I I assumed he landed at two fifty seven was his final score because uh, or I assumed he would because what Puggy said before he because he had according to him he had two balls left and he said you have to clean up this or you have to clean up the spare like completely get this spare and make another strike in order to beat me. So that kind of, that led me to believe that those were his last two frames. Right. And that he would finish up with a 257 if he did that. Because the way Puggy made it sound was you will barely scrape by missing. I mean, beating me. So, all right. If he had more than two frames, he wouldn't have to finish up that spare and get... Uh, Let me just verify. Let me do some quick bowling math. Okay, for the first eight strikes... So his score would be 30, 60, 90, 120, 150, 180. Then he had a 7 in the ninth, 0. So he'd have 207, 224, 231 in the ninth. And if he had all three strikes, he would actually only have 251 if he missed that spare. So he actually did have to get that spare. Because if he missed it and he had the last three strikes in the 10th frame, it would only be a 251. Uh, bowling scoring is weird. Yeah. Uh, After Peggy bowls six strikes in a row, Bud tells Al she needs three more strikes to break his record. If it's the strike record, that would be correct. But if it's the high game, then it's wrong. If Peggy bowled nine strikes in a row and then guttered both balls in the 10th, 
she would only have bowled a 240, and that would not have beat Al's score. Wow. So, yeah, this whole thing is weird. Like, you kind of have to not know anything about bowling. They probably bank on most people not. Although, this is a show that appealed to, you know, the average, hardworking, blue-collar people. Like that's Guy this, who goes bowling or whatever. This was the, that was the demographic. Right. You know, for the the intended demographic for this show. Also happens to be the demographic of the majority of people who bowl. So right. it, you'd think they would try to get it right. It's not that hard to get it right. It really is. It just takes sitting down for like 10 minutes to figure this out, how this could all work. But yeah, whatever. It doesn't matter. It's like one of those things, hey, it's a sitcom. I'm not going that hard on it. You know, but yeah, it's it's one of those weird things, definitely. Hey, the fraud and the gun just pulled six strikes in a row. Uh, <laughs> Everyone immediately leaves Al because Peg has the front six strikes. You're only as good, like, what have you done for me lately? Well... Yeah, you did that, but guess what? Someone else is doing this. Now, still, Al was more impressive. He had his first eight, but still, someone else has six. So let's see. Now, by the way, when you have your first six, that means nothing. You're not guaranteed anything. Like, there's a long way to go until this game. There's a whole other half to go, you know? So Kelly takes her third selfie at this point. Um, Al says if Peg breaks Al's record, it would be the icing on the tombstone. <laughs> Uh, Peg, I'm done. We can go home now. She can't go now. She's bowling a once-in-a-lifetime game. Yeah, Dad, look. I mean, three more strikes and your record's history. Oh, uh, Dad, could you uh, sweat this way, please? great if I broke your record. <laughs> oh, man. That'd be the icing on the tombstone. <laughs> Any tips for tomorrow's losers? I hope someone's filming you during the reading of my will. <laughs> ah, who, who cares? I'm not worried. But your mother has a 60 average. Just like in high school. There's no way she could possibly continue oh, to... Strike! Throw strikes. <laughs> See, what you gotta know about bowling is that Anybody can make a lucky shot, but over the long run, the game is set up so only the truly skillful can... Strike! While Al's talking to the kids about this Bundy curse, Peg bowls two strikes in 12 seconds. Did you guys pick up on that? They did it for the joke that as he's talking, she goes, strike! Boom! And then he's saying, so kids, you don't understand. There's no way she could strike! Boom! I, I did because I was more, like, impressed with how it worked in with his monologue. Right. But you're right. Either she has, like, two different balls and she's playing by herself. There's, like, Marcy's apparently not playing because Peggy just got to do two strikes in a row, which would only happen on the very last, like, turn, right? No, I mean, if you're bowling alone, you could, that, that's the thing. That's the thing about a sanctioned game. Is she bowling alone? I thought Marcy was bowling with her. No, it's just practice. She's just practicing alone. And here's the only way Peg could have done that. She would have to have two bowling balls, thrown one strike, 
walked over to the other side where the because that lane is still resetting those pins. She'd have to go on the other lane because you usually bowl ba- on back and forth to two different lanes when you're doing a sanctioned game. Um, you never bowl on one lane the whole time. That's absolutely ridiculous. So the fact that Al was shows that this is a joke. So she would have to throw that ball, pick up her other ball, and then throw that one almost immediately for this to happen. And to bowl at that pace and to for any reason or whatever she's doing, it just it's just insane. But like I said, still doesn't hurt. It's funny to know these things anyway. So now she has the first eight strikes, just like Al did. Now in this episode we get our second mention of Hemlock. Bud says to Al, Hemlock on the rocks, Dad? And it's like, do do many people know what hemlock is? Because they, they say it in this show as if it's like a household name for a poison. Well, it, it, there's there's a cocktail called hemlock. Yeah? Yeah, hemlock cocktails. Oh, so you're saying he was actually talking about a drink? Yeah. Because um, they referred to this as a poison the first time. Two pieces of orange peel, two vanilla beans split in half, two sugar cubes, two, uh, I'm sorry, four dashes of bitter... Four ounces of bourbon and two orange slices for garnish. God, all that? This must be the most amazing drink ever. (laughs) To to do all that to have. Well, that's according to the Food Network. Well, clearly he was talking about the poison. Right. But it's interesting. They actually made it into a drink. But I think most people are aware that hemlock is poison. Yeah? Well, it's been around forever. That's what killed Socrates. Look, if they weren't worried about their audience knowing how bowling works, I'm sure they didn't care if they knew what poison hemlock was. <laughs> but I'm just saying, who would get the joke? But, okay. So, like I was saying earlier, or alluding to earlier, the way Peg bowls, she could never bowl 300. I mean, that would be an astronomical... You know, uh, the idea that the odds of bowling a 300 to begin with are slim... To bowl the way she does and have a three hundred, it would it would be like God Himself guiding that ball. Yeah, two things I never thought I would see: Peggy bowling a three hundred, and Marcy kill, kissing Al. Yeah, how about that? That like I I like that there's an earlier setup when Peggy uh, when uh, Marcy's like you sir Satan's toe jam so no low you won't go and he's like well I wouldn't kiss you on a bed. Yeah. No, that was, I couldn't, well, definitely screen cap of that. Peg uses no fingers in her ball either, which makes this even more ridiculous. Oh, nothing much left to say but goodbye, eh, Dad? (laughs) That doesn't matter, it's no big thing. Whatever she bowls, I'll just come back and beat her. I'll bowl every night of my life until that record is mine. How bad could it be? What's she bowling, 260? Strike! 270, Dad. Not impossible, not impossible. I need you. Marcy says that I am three balls away from a perfect game. A perfect game? Oh, but honey, I'm nervous. I mean, what if I mess up like you did on our honeymoon? (laughs) Al, help me. All right, everybody. I've got a woman working on a perfect game here. And she's a little nervous. So I went quiet. That means no comments about her shaking hands, her fading strength or her outdated dress that doesn't fit anymore on yet this another birthday so go ahead honey bull remember i want absolute quiet 
Satan's toe jam. <laughs> I know what you're up to, trying to sabotage your own wife. Is there no limit to how low you'll go? Well, I wouldn't kiss you on a bet. <laughs> Can't you let this woman have one night of joy? She has so little. She's married to you. You've seen her children. And now, for one fleeting moment, she has a chance to bask in the sun instead of reeling from the moons. Now, go. Encourage her. Do you think Peg is really the victim here? She was, like, kind of giving excuses as to why Peg needs a moment in the sun, as if Al's ruining her entire life. Doesn't it seem the other way around? Yeah, but Marcy, for the most part, always takes Peggy's side just because of the whole, like, women have to stand together thing. Plus, she hates Al. Right, but that just shows you that politics and siding when you're buddy-buddy with people and in-crowd fights, it's all nonsense. It's like You could take the perspective in any way you want. Like, look at what they did to the Karate Kid, how Johnny is the real hero, you know? It's because the Karate Kid cheated. Right, but there's a million reasons, apparently. If you look up why uh, the the true hero or something about Karate Kid Daniel is the true uh, villain, look up that video on YouTube. It's made, like any you could take any perspective. You could watch this whole show and 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 say Peg did everything justified. To be honest, in this episode, I can see the argument because it is her birthday and her husband forgot it, only caring about himself. But at the same time, they both do that through their entire relationship, so it's kind of hard to This is nothing new in the Bundy household. Well, Al's been bowling for 20 years at this point. Marcy kisses Al on Peg's 11th strike. The Bundy curse is talked about. Now, kids, do you know what we're witnessing here? A perfect game? No, no. The Bundy curse. It's what keeps us from being happy. There's no point in fighting. It's what separates us from the ordinary losers. Now, they can have their moments, but not us. Never us. But Mom's having a major moment now, and she's a Bundy. She's not truly a Bundy. So your mother's just a Bundy by marriage. She's part of the curse. But we are blood Bundys. We are truly doomed. And then they give the saddest Woe Bundy of all. Woe Bundy. Woe Bundy. <laughs> Thank God our show didn't start off that way, you know, with our little intro <laughs> thing. People would be like, ugh, another podcast. But yeah, so Peg's last ball, Kelly's fourth selfie. Let's rock. <laughs> she threw a Brooklyn strike. Well, first, let's say she hit Brooklyn's side. Brooklyn means that when you're right-handed, your ball should hook into the right side of the head pin. And it should hit the three in between the the one pin, which is the head pin, and the three pin, which is the one to the right of that. That's the pocket Uh for a righty. And if you throw it too slow or put too much hook on it, it'll go past the head pin more to the left and go into that other pocket, which lefties normally throw in. Are there only two pockets? Is it only between the one and the two or the one and the three, depending on whether you're left or right-handed? Yeah. And those those are the only pockets. That's where you should always throw the ball. Okay. Oh, that's so yep. hot. All right. So, <laughs> so a Brooklyn is when you do the opposite? 
It's when you're right-handed, but you throw it into where a lefty should throw it because you threw it too slow or with too much hook, yeah. Now, the left, the, the pin on the left is standing for Pega after the shot. Now, that seven pin, no other pin made contact with it. Like I said, I could see this differently than, like, someone who doesn't bowl that much. And no pin made contact with that seven pin that was all the way to the left that stood up when she threw that ball. Normally, the four pin would hit it. Because that's how it works. When you throw your ball into the 1-2 pocket, the 2 hits the 4, and the 4 goes off to the left and takes out the 7. So that pin falling was truly just part of the Bundy curse. Because there's no logical explanation for why it would have wobbled at all. So you're saying this is 100% proof that the the Bundy curse is magical voodoo? Yeah. Wow. 100%. And the fact that the ball thing didn't even come down and sweep that pin out. If, after a certain amount of time, once your ball goes through and it hits the pins, that thing comes down and sweeps out the debris. You know, Especially if it's on your last ball, I mean. If not, it'll pick up that seven pin, then sweep out the access, then put it back down. But since it's the last ball, it would have just swept it away. But it stayed up there long enough so that that thing could wobble and fall over. So yeah, it's definitely the Bundy curse. All right, I'm convinced. You need to just give up on Married with Children and start a bowling podcast. <laughs> According to PBA, the Professional Bowlers Association, uh, Brooklyn will refer to either side. But there's also something called a jersey side. The jersey side hit is a ball that hits on the opposite side of the player's normal pocket. So I guess it's just Brooklyn, yeah, or jersey. Brooklyn or jersey either way. A jersey for a right-hand player would hit on the one-two pocket. Usually, uh, usually refers to getting a strike in the wrong pocket called a Brooklyn in most locations of the country. Mm. So, mm, yeah. Mm. Does that only count if they get, is that in specific reference to a strike? Um, I don't think anybody was that specific, but normally, normally you don't even talk about it unless it's a strike. Yeah. Okay. Because, because then the other team is bitter about it. Like, yeah, yeah. The guy threw a friggin' Brooklyn dude. So oh, I see. Okay. We got to catch up. Yeah. Yeah, they would say it as like a, a term of, you bastard, you know. Yeah. Yeah, okay. So here's something um, I didn't pick up on that IMDb did, so don't blame me if I'm wrong. After having already made 10 strikes in a row, Peggy scores three more strikes. But for 300 perfect game in bowling, the maximum is 12 strikes. Now, I didn't pick up on that. Uh, so apparently she threw 13. So... They messed up, and instead of doing nine frames and then three strikes, they did ten frames and then three strikes, I guess. I didn't notice that. Um... I didn't notice that. Hey, guys. Want to represent the Marrow Children podcast? Go to tpublic.com. T-E-E-P-U-B-L-I-C. Dot com. Just go to the search bar and type in Married with Children Podcast. They have everything you need to rep your favorite podcast, tank tops, long sleeve shirts, baseball t-shirts, crewnecks, hoodies. They even have these in kid sizes, phone cases for all different styles and sizes, laptop case, stickers, wall art, notebooks, mugs, pillows, tote bags, travel mugs you name it they got it all guys and for great prices go to tpublic.com for all your married with children podcast representational needs okay al 
Okay, honey. This one's for you. I know it is, Peg. Okay. I know. in the fetal position when Peg makes a 300. Then he's at home watching imaginary news. Al gives his famous thumbs up meme. I mean, everybody has seen that meme. I mean, how many times has someone said something good on the Married with Children podcast uh, group page and then you get that famous Al Bundy gif of him doing the thumbs up in his bowling shirt with that weird evil smile. I think I just did it to somebody who posted something saying, hi, I'm new and blah, 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 blah. Now, this is a a landmark episode because this is the first shot of the Bundy's house from behind the couch looking forward. Now, how jarring was that to see? Oh, it was weird. It's you always know that that's that that's over there. Um, It's like in the okay, it's like in the very opening of Roseanne where they're doing the spin for the uh, opening credits. And you see that other side of the kitchen that does not exist otherwise. It's always weird and unsettling, even though you know it's supposed to be there. It's just interesting to see that side of it. Yeah, no, like I I really like the whole ending, the look on Al's face, the the like like all of it, like like the fact that he's not even holding a remote control in his hand, (laughs) which I didn't even catch when they first showed him. They first show him on the couch before they show the TV. I thought he was, like, holding his hand like he would hold a bowling ball. And it was just him, like, remembering the bowling ball, like, in in reverence. Mm -hmm. And then after they show the blank TV screen, then I saw – then I was like, oh, he's holding a – it's supposed to be him holding a remote, but he's holding nothing. Right. Okay. Now I get it. I thought that was just genius. Oh, it was all, it was so great. He's literally lost his mind. Yeah. The joke really works well when we have Roy Firestone um as the news guy. Now, he was a real sportscaster. So they got a real guy to to do this whole segment here. He would make another appearance on Married with Children a few years later, hosting a special called the Al Bundy Sports Spectacular in 1995. Hi, Garrett Glazer for News Wrap-Up. A tragedy was narrowly averted today when a man returning home from a bowling alley where his wife just bowled a perfect game raced into a burning building, saved a family of ten, and the family dog, Winky. Mr. Bundy, what made you do it? Well, Garrett, I've always been a winner. And winners are always there at the winning time. Mr. Bundy, people around here are talking about running you for mayor. Well... I'm not saying I won't run, but if I do, 
Order the beer and get your bribes out, because as I said before, I am a winner. Bundy! 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 Mom, why is Dad watching a blank screen? I don't know, but he seems happy. He may have just snapped, Mom. Well, it's not like you need a brain to sell shoes. Come on, kids. Help Mommy put her big trophy in front of Daddy's little ones. Good night, honey. Good night, Daddy. Good night, Dad. Hi, everybody. I'm Roy Firestone. Our guest tonight on Sports Look personally rewrote the record book on both offense and defense. Meet the future Hall of Famer, Al Icky Bundy. <laughs> Al, I, I can't help but notice the fact that you're wearing your football jersey three months after the season was played. Well, Roy, it uh, fits good, and the chicks love it. <laughs> now, if you guys notice, Al Bundy is wearing his football jersey, but it's number 51, not the famous number 33, which we've all come to know and love, oddly enough. And by the way, I want to thank our group page member, Captain Marveloso, who's going to send me a little figure he made of Al Bundy. He actually took a, a figure of uh, Peyton Manning, and he turned him into Al Bundy with the 33 jersey and everything. It looks just like him, so thanks, man. I uh, should be getting that pretty soon. That's awesome. But yeah, Al's wearing number 51. That's most likely a tribute to the most famous Chicago Bear who ever wore the number 51, and his name is Dick Buckus. He played for the Chicago Bears from 65 to 73. So that was most likely a tribute to that guy. They probably didn't land on the number 33 for Al yet. Nothing is really solidified just yet. Nothing is expanded upon the way we all know the show, the way you know it's been known for all these years and the way the general public knows it. I mean, the only chance it was not a tribute to uh, Buckus was it could have been Jim Morrissey who wore that number uh, during the time when the Bears won the Super Bowl, but it was most likely Dick Buckus. So yeah, guys, this might be the only time you see Al Bundy with a football jersey that doesn't say 33 on it. Al, if we could get serious for just a few moments, um, your wife's bowling game, the perfect 300 score, did it in any way affect you mentally? <laughs> Well, it, it might have affected me, Roy, if, if I didn't have anything else in my life. But, uh, you know, between the NFL and uh, the endorsements, of course, being knighted by the Queen of England. Uh, well, what the hell, let the little lady have her little moment in the sun. Yeah. You know, and he starts bringing up all these things that he does not really do. Like all these made up things. So what that's telling you is <clears throat> Al has nothing else going on in his life. And yes, it did affect him greatly. He's watching an imaginary news program. If there was a single word, a, a single word that, that, that would define the essence of you, Al, what do you think that word would be? Winner. <laughs> Al Bundy, ladies and gentlemen, husband, father, football player, bullfighter, <laughs> aviator, inventor of the seven-day underwear. <laughs> <laughs> 
Thank you, Al, for joining us. We really appreciate it. Hey, it's your dime, Roy. <laughs> we'll be back with more on Sports Look right after this. Wow, they like Al really goes all out for his uh, dreams. His compensation, yeah. Yeah. Seven day underwear, man. Wow. I wish I had one of those. That's that's disgusting, Alex. Dude, I'm tired of changing my underwear every day. I just want to leave it on, man, until it becomes a part of me. This isn't video drone, okay? We don't need this, Alex. The seven day underwear is a bad idea. Yeah. Please do not make a Kickstarter for that. Well, this Puggy Weaver, his real name was Michael McCannus, and he was known for Poltergeist, Police Academy 4, Hot Shots, Part Dukes, and the Kentucky Fried Movie. Uh, he was a big player in the show Baywatch. He was in Dallas. In 1979, yep. He was in Happy Days, and the episode's called Fonzie Gets Shot. <laughs> well, I didn't shoot the deputy, so. Well, he was the sheriff in Fonzie Gets Shot. Well, I don't know if a lot of people know this, but you can't even get Happy Days in any way beyond season, like, six. Like, there's no way to watch season seven, eight, really? nine, or ten. I think it only went to nine. Milk Creek, get on this. They've been putting out everything. I, li- I was at Target the other day, and, like, I they had the Married with Children box set from Milk Creek. Oh, yeah. Oh, no, there's 11 seasons of Happy Days, but you can't buy any of them past six, I believe. Do you know why? Like, Does it jump the shark? Uh, it actually did. But why wouldn't they sell any of the rest? It's really odd. What's the better shark scene? Fonzie jumping the shark or Adam West Batman punching the shark on from the ladder? Oh, definitely Fonzie. Punching. No, I say oh. Fonzie because that became oh, wow. because that became part fight, of fight. popular culture. But so did Batman punching the shark on the ladder. No one ever says punch the shark. Oh, we should start that. But people say jump at the shark all Jamie, the time. Jamie, your, your statements are really punching the shark right now, okay? See? <laughs> what do you mean no one says it? Can that be the official, like, married with children? Like, when someone's going too far, you're just like, whoa, you are really punching the shark right now. Yeah, calm down. We start. That's way too crazy. We- I will accept that as a thing if you will accept the Waniverse. I'm sorry, the what? Uh... The Waniverse, the James Waniverse. Oh my god! What are we talking about? Uh, James Wan. Uh, uh, are you talking about the the? the I'm trying to get this going. Guy? Yeah, I'm trying to get this going. It's a Waniverse. D- done. <laughs> if we can do punching the shark, I'm down for Waniverse. <laughs> okay. I will open up a theme park. Everyone, come to Waniverse. <laughs> I looked it up on Amazon. You cannot find any Happy Days beyond season six. Wow, I'm going to go look on and see if you can, like, rent it or buy it digitally from, like, YouTube or Vudu or Amazon. Yeah. And season five, he jumps the shark. Six, they still released. And that's it. Wow. Yeah, weird. No, ma'am. We'll be right back to wrap up this week's review. Be sure to join their Facebook group page for all the podcast news and updates. Be sure to subscribe to them on the Apple Podcast app And please leave a review telling them what you think of the show. To subscribe to their YouTube channel, just go to Channels and search up Married with Children Podcast. Now they're available on the TV Time app. Go to your app store and type in TV Time. Join their Patreon and support your favorite podcast with a small monthly donation. 
you can email them at marriedwchildrenpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for checking out this review. Now Jerry, Jamie, and Alex are going to give their final thoughts on this week's episode. Thanks for dropping that info, babe. But before we even do that, I just want to thank two new patrons of our show, Melissa and Carolyn Crapo. Thanks, guys. We always appreciate the support. If anybody else wants to support the show for as little as one dollar a month, if you want to, if if half the people who listen to the show gave one dollar a month to the Patreon, um, I wouldn't have to fish M and M's from between the oven and the sink with a coat hanger. So, for everyone who supports the show, once again, thank you. Alright guys, we just reviewed Peggy Turns 300, so how many selfies, or in Kelly's world, Izzy's, are we going to take for this week's episode of Married with Children, Jerry? Order the beer and get your brides out, because I'm giving this a 4 out of 5. I think this episode is great fun. I, I, I love Al in this episode. I love Peggy in this episode. Um, I was able to connect Steve to this episode, so that automatically gets an extra point. And I, there's a lot to dig into. Like you could, like this episode has so many. Like I had to go, like Google why they called Al Icky. Like they were Al Icky Bundy. Okay, so at first I thought they were just talking about him being gross, but I was like, why would they do that if it was like if it's Al doing it? He doesn't himself call him gross, and uh, it's because there was a uh, an NFL fullback. Icky Woods, who played for the Cincinnati Bengals um, from 88 to 91, and uh, he became a household name with his end zone dance known as the Icky Shuffle. Yep. Yeah. So that's why they call like, there's so much, like, you can go into so much with this episode. Like, there, like, there are tons of lines from this episode that we completely skipped over. It has that many good lines, and to me, that's a sign of a great Married with Children episode when... You skip over things and you're still an hour and 24 minutes into this. Yeah, we have to skip over things because it's already too far. It's already too much. Like we like so it's just a four out of five episode. Fantastic. Hilarious. Um, it's also a, an episode that runs very quick. It is over fast. Yeah. Uh, Al at the end of the episode ends up on the couch and we see Al ending up on the couch at the end of a lot of episodes. And almost every episode he ends up on the couch by himself at the end Ugh. is an amazing episode. And this continues that trend. Yeah. Maybe one of the first ones were How Do I Love Thee when he was electrocuted. He gets electrocuted when he gets beaten by the cops, when he gets the full body cast, when his leg gets broken and uh, the dog uh, Buck jumps on it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But yeah, whenever he ends up on the end of the couch at the end of the episode, every time I'm just like, that was fantastic. Ah. That's how we know we just put out something epic. Put it out on the couch at the very end. Uh, okay, well, Jamie, uh, how many Izzy's are you giving this episode of Marrow Children? Well, I'm going to have to be right there with the four on the Izzy's that I'm giving. I do think it's a very fun episode. It's like, you know, your traditional standalone sitcom episode, and I, I think it's very funny. And, yeah, I don't know, it fits. I, they're all represented here and you know including marcy they managed a way to work marcy into it we got a new set yeah you know i think it's it's fun stuff it definitely is uh my rating i'll give it four izies out of five also 
Uh, for so many reasons, it's Peg's birthday. That's a pretty big deal. You get a classic Bud and Kelly opener of her being dumb and in one of the best ways. You, Like you said, they even incorporated Marcy. Not only did they incorporate Marcy, that scene really struck me. I mean, she really portrayed what she is at this point on the show. She it really conveyed in just her body language and and her demeanor and the way she spoke to Peg. And it really kind of... Um, it it continues uh, to me the same thing we just saw when she was in the gymnasium dancing with another woman. You know, it was kind of like the same the same vibe right there. But this one even like seemed more realistic, so it was really great. You get to see a little bit of the history of the town, you know, Chicago, but where they live specifically, what goes on, the bowling alley, like you said, a new set. I'm not sure. I didn't go far enough to see if it was the same exact set as the other episode. I doubt it. No, it looks much bigger, to be honest with you. Yeah, I, I didn't think they would keep that set around for how many seasons, you know, just in case yeah. we do another one. It's like, uh, you see that, you see Al in his bowling glory for a little bit. He even overcomes adversity with that split caused by Peg, and it showed that even Peg's not stopping him this time around. Then, <clears throat> you see, no, no, she's, she stops him in another way. And, it, and, and then you see the Bundy curse for the first time to come to fruition in, in a different way where it really is curse-like. Like we mentioned, that pin was never touched by that uh, four pin. So there's no way the seven pin would have fell at the very end w- without the curse. The whole family being there, like the kids, you know, you would think they're too popular or cool to be wasting their time with this. But no, Al says, no family, we're going. And they all went and they're all on board and nobody seemed like they just wanted to leave or anything. Everybody was invested. So it was really cool. It's heartbreaking as always to watch Al lose and just get pummeled by life. But man, what a payoff! Like Jerry said, those classic end couch gags with Al when when things are really at their worst for him, he always ends up on the couch. And this is just classic. I mean, like we said, they they, they made memes of this, gifs of this. You know, it's it's a pretty iconic scene of Marrow Children. Al being that evil demonic smile and the thumbs up and all that stuff is just great and him watching nothing on tv and seeing this whole thing unfold just great it was just funny everything about it was funny really uh that whole news thing and everything yeah four to five from all three of us guys tune in next week as we review peggy made a little lamb to finally earn her high school diploma peg is forced to join kelly's home ec class like mother like daughter happy fourth of july guys Don't go blowing your ears off. You have more shows to listen to.